This week, we're talking temperance with regards to food, eating to live the life that Christ is calling us to and not living instead to eat. Welcome to this episode 24 of Deep in Christ. Well, hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International, bringing you another discussion about this daily walk in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks again, as always, for joining me for this discussion. Uh, Father Peter and I, this week, continue our discussion on the virtues, now on the virtue of temperance, today digging into temperance with regards to food. And we, we had a good conversation, you know, digging into this familiar area of temperance. That's kind of the first thing we think of with regard to temperance, is the moderation of our eating and drinking. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff there because, again, we we tend in our society to, society to only think of temperance with regards to simply moderating, simply eating less. But what that translates into is sort of it always applying to somebody else's eating or drinking habits, not to our own, because there's a whole lot more to temperance. It's about turning inward, looking for the order that God has placed there that has become disfigured through original and actual sin, and then seeking in the presence of the Lord in prayer to say, Lord, what what are you calling me to in my life? Why did you create me? And how can I put order into this inner life of the body and the passions so that I could be more open and more available and more ready to do the work you're calling me to do? We had a good discussion. I hope you enjoy it. See you there. Welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here with my father, brother, Peter. Brother, father, Peter. That's important. The order is important there. Brother, father, Peter. Mm, not my father. Since we're talking about brother temperance. Peter. <laughs> yeah, my father. Not brother my Peter. progenitor, who happens to be a friar, a brother. My brother, who happens to be a priest. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> no, I got no, it wrong. Not yet. Anyway, welcome back to Deep in Christ. Should I keep that? Should I should start that again? Uh, that was kind of goofy. That was kind of goofy. Yeah, but I don't know. We're goofiness is. Well, now I include it. all now this. Now I ruined. This it. is super meta. I yeah, like this. Super meta. Yeah. Come on, we appeal to millennials. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I already killed it, so I had to start again mm. now. Sorry about that. Sorry. Hello, and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. I'm here joined by my brother, Father Peter. See, yep. now I can't even no, do it because I'm messing it up. Too. I think you did it. Brother, I have to, brother, I have to think father, too hard about it now. My brother. Yeah, my brother, comma, Father Peter. There it is. Last time. This is oh, for all the gold water. Uh, that one wasn't good? No. I like that. I think we should include the whole thing. Hey, welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, uh, John Mark Grodi, and my... See, I don't... <laughs> my brother. Host and co-host. Host yeah. and... That. I'm your host. What do I say on Elevate Ordinary? I'm, I'm your host, John Mark. And this is my wife, Is that Teresa. your real name? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what I say over there. Uh, why do I keep hitting my knee? Hello and welcome to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, and I'm your co-host, <laughs> his brother, Father Peter. That worked. <laughs> yeah, it did. Okay, I promise I'm not going to mess it up this time. Okay. Welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. I'm your co-host, his brother, Father Peter. There we go. We nailed it. We had we to did. record this one a couple times. You have no idea. that bit wrong. Yeah. yeah, but hey, we're back with another conversation about our, our daily walk in imitation of and our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been talking about virtues for quite a while now, mm -hmm. like 
since the pandemic began. And we probably could until Jesus until comes again. We will wrap this but, up one of these days. Yeah. We're on the fourth of the four cardinal virtues. Hmm. Uh, we've talked about prudence, justice, courage. We're on to temperance now. We took a couple episodes to introduce it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of what it is, what it's not. That's always important here. What, is the, what does the word mean? What does it not mean? Uh, how is it understood, um, you know, colloquially uh, in modern Mm-hmm. In modern life, but what is it? What are we really getting at with that term, temperance? And then last week we talked about uh, Peeper's definition, which was really interesting. The Peeper defines temperance as selfless self-preservation. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about that, and that was. I, I just find that such a, a fascinating uh, definition there, you know, because it, uh, as we talked about, it gets at this a bit of a paradox that we we have out of Scripture, apparent paradox, as all paradoxes are. Right. You know that uh, Christ calls us to love our neighbor as ourself, but the question comes, how does one love oneself? How Mm -hmm. does one care for oneself? All Christian paradoxes, I should say. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there are real paradoxes, but pretty much all Christian paradoxes are Are only apparent. They're not real paradoxes. Are there real paradoxes? Are there real paradoxes? Yeah. I think so, yeah. A paradox is an inherent contradiction, right? I mean, isn't that what... So So what's the difference between a real and apparent paradox? Well, a real paradox is when God creates a a rock he can't move. Yeah, but that's not real because it doesn't, like, that that doesn't happen, right? Mm. It's real in the sense that it's truly a paradox. Ah. Right? That's true. That makes sense. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Okay. So now that we've solved paradoxes, (laughs) the paradox of paradoxes. paradoxes. The most ingenious paradox. Uh, We referenced Pirates of Penzance in last episode. Did we? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, nice! This, this has got to become a thing now. We can't go without. <laughs> if doing you've never it. seen that show movie, you should. It's a pretty, pretty hilarious. Watch it. It's very good. Good play. We're going to turn this week in temperance to food and drink. We were talking last time. Um, Peeper sort of you know lists off food and drink and sexuality. Mm-hmm. That's kind of these these three basic areas that we all are sort of familiar with in terms of temperance. Mm-hmm. That's what we think of when we think of temperance. We think of food. We think of alcohol. We think of sexuality. I think we do think of them when it comes to food and t- food and drink and sexuality. But yes. I believe that in today's culture, or in today's kind of a, a Christian the Christian ethos of today. Yes. Um, I think that we we have a sense that temperance probably has something to do with food, but I think that most of us really don't have a sense for how we are to apply it to food. Mm. I mean, I, when it comes to the, the, the vice of gluttony, yeah, it's yeah. very difficult, and I have found very few people in my life who have a very strong sense for how to make a distinction between what is gluttony and what is not, yeah. and how to be virtuous. When it's it always somebody food. else. There's somebody right. else out there like who somebody, is actually somebody knows, Not right? me. Or, <laughs> yeah, well, and, and it's a very socially acceptable sin, you right. know, in many ways, and partially just because of the the general indulgence of our particular kind of American culture. Yeah. Also, but um, and so I think it's really important. In the, it's mm. it's 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 one of those things where it's like, well, sure, temperance has you know, temperance has to do with food and, right. and sex and, and drink and that stuff. Just but it's like when it, when it when it comes to like, yeah, what is it? What do you actually? How do you actually make a determination in any given yeah. day, or how do you even try to make strides forward when it comes to? growing more temperate in our use of food yeah you know most people would just say like well don't just don't eat too much you know i mean like <laughs> it's, it's funny how so many yeah. of the virtues come down to that just like, like prudence i think most people when think of prudence are like well just means don't, don't be stupid stupid right, right? yeah like, right you know but, but in yeah. other words it never actually applies in the situations where it might challenge me just right. in those situ- those imaginary situations that I'm never actually in. Right. It, it sort of puts a wall up against like blatant sinfulness that's just over there. 
you know, Somebody and it's like problem. when I'm not over there, I'm not that I haven't I haven't crossed that barrier, and so like I must be okay. Yeah, but it's like no, there's there is a positivity and a and a uh, way that virtue is supposed to bring us, raise us higher, and yeah. not just kind of keep us from some kind of external boundary of, of blatant. Uh, egregious sinfulness. So. Yeah, you know, sometimes when, when you're lacking in profits, you got to turn to the comedians. You know, that's Jim, true. Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> I think Jim Gaffigan was the, the prophet. One, Jim Gaffigan. It was one of his. Uh, I don't remember what the skit was about or the the bit was about, but he was talking. Oh, I think it was about Fourth uh, of July, maybe. No, 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 Thanksgiving. One of the holidays. But the point was like, well, okay, we have this day. What do we do on that day? Well, we just eat a lot. And he's like, well, but we do that, we do that every, every day. day. Every <laughs> like, day. What's, yeah. You know, the point being like, yeah, what what is gluttony when it seems like everybody's doing it all the time? Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a culture of constant access to food, constant mm-hmm. access to, and not just food. I mean, think about it. Uh, uh, constant access to like crazy, junky, indulgent food all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, unlike people would have been in most of history, you know. Sure. Um, You know, one of the things I value about being a Catholic, being a Catholic Christian, uh, is we have the liturgical year that that at least gives us uh, a step, a leg in the door to begin putting some order into that disorder. Because Mm -hmm. if you don't have rhyme or reason, if you don't have a time when it's time to feast Mm -hmm. and time to fast, then yeah, why not... Why doesn't every day just become a feast? That mm-hmm. seems like it's, it's what begins to happen unless you're trying to put some order into your sure. life. Well, and that that points back to something we've brought up before too, mm-hmm. which, which is an amazing part of the church that we often we we don't often give enough credit to in mm-hmm. terms of how how we can inform our lives with with truth and with good morality mm-hmm. and with good practice of virtue in our lives. And that's the that's the old statement lex lex orandi lex credendi. That which we, uh, that which we pray, mm-hmm. we we believe, huh. um, and so basically in the development of the liturgy of the church and in like the liturgical season, all these different things, the things that we pray liturgically, the the, the central parts of our prayer, inform, in in a very kind of, uh, uh, in a very human way, ways in which we can like live our life in healthy and ordered ways. And one of those things is just simply the the feast and fast model of the liturgical season of the church that we're going to get into. Yeah. And by our study of, of temperance and showing, you know, in, in talking about what is temperance and how does it give us kind of a framework for how to begin ordering the appetites of food and these different different pleasures, of ordering them all in the proper way, these good things, yeah. very good things, in incontrovertibly good desires Mm -hmm. that uh, how do we begin ordering them the proper way with everything else inside of us we can see how looking through looking through the lens of temperance at these things we see oh yeah it 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 makes sense that we have a church that encourages us to fast in certain seasons and certain times encourages us to feast at other times because it encourages a very intentional uh uh relationship with that desire uh, an intentionally ordered relationship with that desire, those desires of food, mm-hmm. and not just kind of a drifting through and kind of eating, eating whatever you want in however much amount you want at any whatever time you want. You know? Right, right. So, well, so for the last couple of episodes, we've we've been setting up temperance. Um, let, let's one more time. Let's kind of contextualize it within the virtues uh, themselves. Prudence, justice, and courage are the ones that we've studied up to this point um, pretty thoroughly. Um, you know, it always begins with prudence. In other words, um, 
we made a big deal about that at the beginning because, again, with drawing from Thomas and from Joseph Pieper, um, it reflects the order of our being, you know, that we are intellect informing our will, and then our will is ordering and directing our passions here. And so we've, we've proceeded down the chain here, down downstream, and we're focusing now in temperance on turning inward. You know, the mm-hmm. other virtues focus outward to some, in, in, in some important sense, whereas temperance really looks inward and, and asks, what's the order or disorder within myself? Am, mm-hmm. I, am I as a being integrated and whole and ordered? It looks at our own. It looks at our relationship with ourself, right. rather than our relationship with the external world or external people. Yeah, I want to read a couple uh, a couple excerpts here. This this actually comes later on in Pieper's book, actually at the end of the chapter on chastity and unchastity. But it does a good job of sort of contextualizing temperance a little bit. He writes uh, over and over again. Thomas has raised the question of the hierarchy of the virtues. His reply is as follows. Man's good is rational good, but this good is possessed in its essence by prudence, which is the perfection of reason. But justice is the agent which makes this good real. It is the portion of justice to establish in all human affairs the order of reason, but the other virtues maintain and protect this good insofar as they order the passions, lest these turn man away from rational good. And then down a little bit from that, he digs into temperance in particular. Temperancia, in its strict and ultimate sense, is not realization of the good, per se, you know, d- mm-hmm. discipline, moderation, chastity do not in themselves constitute the perfection of man. By preserving and defending order in man himself, temperancia creates the indispensable prerequisite for both the realization of actual good and the actual movement of man toward his goal. Without it, the stream of the innermost human will to be would overflow destructively beyond all bounds. It would lose its direction and never reach the sea of perfection. Yet temperancia is not itself the stream, but it is the shore, the banks, <laughs> from whose solidity the stream receives the gift of straight, unhindered course of force, descent, and velocity. Hmm. I, nice physics there. Yeah, I know. Isn't that, <laughs> isn't that great? I mean, what a great image, yeah, for what temperance is. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it isn't in itself the, 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 the good, but it prepares the way. It's the, it's the banks. It gives that river, and it gives the passion. It gives the whole human person... Uh, this solidity and unity to be uh, to be of one mind and one heart towards a goal. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so a big part of temperance is is this notion of purity. And what purity means here, uh, I like Kierkegaard's definition: P- purity of heart is to will one thing, mm-hmm. to be single mind, single single in heart. Uh, and you can't do that if that all the inner powers of yourself, all of your appetites, are at war with one another. Mm-hmm. If they're brought together in order, then you as a whole person can be serenely and in a focused way uh, oriented towards the realization of the good. Yeah, and I like how we, we talked about this in you know the last episode, but yeah. I like how he he talked about uh, you know temperance and intemperance uh, basically being a question of whether we allow a lower a the over imposition or kind of overabundance or over stretching of a lower power to destroy by its assertion, a, a higher good. Mm-hmm. And so there, in that sense of preservation of, like, of a higher good, um, the sense of preservation is a real thing in that, you know, kind of the banks kind of preserve the boundaries of the river, like yeah. you're talking about. But you can, th- you can see how um, it's not so much that, you know, it's not so much that you're focusing on, um, or I shouldn't say it that way, the, the focus of temperance 
is on is not just on kind of like this sort of arbitrary like well this should stay here and this should stay like lesser importance but it there there is a as you we we, we talked about mm-hmm. man is not a you know a, a templar rasa <laughs> Oh. A Templar Gudoza. I don't oh. know. I don't know what. I, what I can't I always <laughs> tabula never. Tabula Rasa. Tabula Rasa. Thank you. I always forget how to say that. A do, tabula Rasa. You know, He's not a blank slate. As as, as, a, as, a, as a diversion here, like I don't even know that term. Is that is that Latin? What is that? Is that Greek? Tabula. Tabula. Tabula Rasa. It's just. A, it sounds more Greek. It's just a colloquialism. It might be Egyptian, but I don't know. But, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we're not a blank slate. We're not a blank slate that God just basically says, okay, now you need to do, like, you need to order that and, and that and then that in yourself. And that's just because I say Man, so. Man, make thyself. But no, like, yeah. when, when one of the lower, when one of the, when one of the lower appetites starts taking precedence in, in our actions and our thoughts and in our minds and uh, in our words mm-hmm. over a higher one, it destroys, it actually destroys a good and it destroys um, a hierarchy in ourselves that is meant for our own good as well, right. um, and so I like th- I like thinking of it that way because there's mm-hmm. a preservation of there. It's like, you know, when you're thinking of like, oh, what what's the big deal if what's what's the big deal if I'm intemperate when it comes to food this particular occasion? You know, mm-hmm. like it's just it's just you know this one thing. I'm just gonna mm-hmm. like kind of allow myself to go. It it it's because in in kind of giving into that. It, it not only is sort of just like an intemperance in us in the sense of like, oh, you just sort of let yourself go. It's actually destroying a, it's a destroying a higher good in the process of doing that. It's yeah. destroying that that self-discipline of putting of putting reason first. Um, there's a justice aspect of there when it comes to the gifts that God has given you, you know, and yeah. it's these different things that are destroyed when we're intemperate or right. not destroyed, but injured, you know, are imposed upon when we're intemperate. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a definite sort of, uh, somewhat of an objectivity in terms of the uh, in terms of what is hap- happens not 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 in sense of how to determine what is intemperate versus temperate necessarily those those are difficult and different for different situations but in terms of what happens when we do be be in, when we do become intemperate mm-hmm. um, there is a definiteness to the the objectivity of the wrong that is done yeah you know and 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 the injury that it does to ourselves and to our relationship with God yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a, a really important piece of all this to me. Um, talk about virtue is just seeing the significance of each each decision and action. Um, that they're all opportunities to to become who God is calling us to be. That we're either cementing a pattern of vice or a pattern of, a pattern of virtue. And again, that's not that that's limited in it's not limited in its effect to just how it affects us, but it's our then our ability to then go and realize the good in the world. You know, so there, each thing we do has these multiple effects. It affects whether or not I'm ordered or disordered in my person, whether I'm I'm leaning more in the direction of order or disorder. But then I turn around and find that that affects whether or not that I'm able to, to re- respond to God, mm-hmm. whether I'm able to see God, whether I'm able to hear his voice, whether I'm able to carry out what he's calling me to, or even see the opportunities he's giving me in my life. Mm-hmm. That's all affected by this this inner life that we have. And so... Yeah, we can talk all we want about being prudent. Certainly, that that's that's important. That's the basis of of the moral life, as we've been discussing, is turning to reality. But our ability to see reality, to be sensitive to reality, to desire reality versus unreality, mm-hmm. that's conditioned by you know what we what we do with ourselves. You know, so we're either we're either making it uh, easier, we're either uh, shoring ourselves up in our ability to be prudent or not mm-hmm. in how we how we live. So. Um, I wanted to, to start, you know, uh, you've already brought up a bunch of these, but one of the things I wanted to start with is just talking about, yeah, whether or not 
we look inward and we expect to see an order, uh, God's primordial order in us as human beings, or whether we look in and, and, and see something that we ha- order we have to create from scratch. Because that's mm-hmm. important, mm-hmm. you know, whether we're, we're looking inward and we're trying to, to see God's design and live according to his design. I mean, we're in, in prudence and justice, sure. we're, we're trying to look for a reality of, you know, a, a creation uh, God's creation, mm-hmm. His laws, His principles, His the natures that He's created. Yeah. And we've already touched upon, mm-hmm. we've already inadvertently touched upon both of the ways in which, both of the 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 uh, both of the contrary ways mm-hmm. that we can look inwardly at ourselves. Right. One is the tabula rasa, you know, right. this idea that we are kind of a blank slate in these these. There is no human nature. There is no human nature. It's all just sort of, it's all just there, and there's yeah. no proper way of ordering it. The only way that we, only way we know to order it is because God basically just arbitrarily said, you should do this and this and this and this and this, mm-hmm. in kind of this order. But in and in of itself, in us, it's just kind of, a, it's just, there's just all those things there, mm-hmm. um, it would seem. Mm-hmm. The other way, though, is this idea that God has put in our nature the certain good desires, mm-hmm. and then from the outside, are the sort of these fallen evil desires that don't have anything to do with our human mm. nature mm. and are actually in kind of opposition to it but from the outside. Mm. So that 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 would be, you know, the the, the people who look at things like the sexual appetite mm. or, you know, the, the appetite for food as kind of inherently uh, bad, you know, right. and, and that's something that that's something that Thomas and Pieper kind of talk about and try to dispel is this idea that, you know, in a perfect world, in pre-fall humanity, that these things wouldn't really even be a part of our lives. We mm-hmm. wouldn't really have an appetite for food other than just basically as kind of nourishment and there wouldn't be necessarily a sexual appetite, you know. He explains it better than I'm yeah. explaining it. But but that's a different way of looking at what in self. Instead of seeing all these things as part of the of God's or uh, God's um, God's plan for man, that there is a primordial primordial order to them, it looks at basically the all these different appetites as competing evil versus good appetites right you know yeah this is you know it's been a thread throughout christian history and this heresy has come up in, in different ways at different times you know the suspicion of the body mm-hmm. um people write this this affirm the affirmative position is clear to thomas beyond any doubt because more perhaps than any other christian teacher he takes seriously the fundamental thought of revelation quote everything created by god is good unquote and thinks it through to its conclusion. These words were used by the Apostle Paul in order to reprimand with the same reference to creation those, quote, hypocritical liars who carry a torch in their conscience and forbid men to marry and to enjoy certain foods. Heresy and hyperceticism are and always have been close neighbors. Mm-hmm. So one other, one other quote here uh, at the very end of that chapter, he notes that in the province of Temperancia, as we have said before, it is man's attitude towards creation which is decided and most incisively. Mm-hmm. So one thing that's going on here, I mean, we're going to dig more, uh, we're going to dig down in temperance to the specific practical areas that it governs. But one of the things that Pieper's pointing out here is that overall, our understanding and our practice of temperance um, also informs how we see creation as a whole and yes. it's conditioned by that. Do we see creation... Uh, do we see the the physical world as something to be suspicious of? You know, mm-hmm. do we see our our own drives and desires, our own bodies, our own being as something uh, a place of suspicion, or do we we look at those things and again with with Apostle Paul say these came from God, they're good, and there's disorder as a mm-hmm. result of sin. 
but Christ came to to heal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so again, we're not uh, we're not blank slates that we're trying to create some order. No, we're trying to look in and and realize the order that's there, fix it, temper it, um, and make it open to to greater grace. Amen. So, you know, one example of that that I love, I think I mentioned this last time, I think it's just a, a perfect example of this is how uh, in the modern world, there's a sort of, uh, there's this sentiment regarding food uh, for those who are, you know, caring for their health, trying to eat healthy, mm-hmm. whatever. There's the sentiment that, oh, everything that tastes good is bad for you. And everything that tastes yes. bad is good for you. That is true. And that <laughs> is so interesting. Because, right, that's an expression. That that's, mm-hmm. That is expression of this belief, yeah, mm-hmm. that that somehow... You're so broken mm-hmm. that you um, that the, the basic desires of your of your flesh are. Well, I was about to say that <laughs> I, I think that springs from a false, a false, false, falsely attributed Christian view. This yeah. idea that yeah, if it if it feels good or if it's enjoyable, then it it, it must be frowned upon by God. You right. know, I mean, kind of a very extreme extreme Puritan, you know, yes. Puritanistic yes. view. Yeah. Um, and I think it. In a sense, it kind of follows along with that. This idea that yeah, if it if it tastes good, then it must also then be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, right? But again, as Peeper talked about, you know, in, in temperance, we're talking about the um, the powers of the human person, of the mm-hmm. human body, the human soul for self preservation. You know, so God gave us desires for food and drink and sexual, uh, sexual, you know, sexual union. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know. Self affirmation, like you know, like uh, the desire for justice, the desire you know for community, all these these natural drives humans have, they're for purposes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, today thinking in terms of food and drink, one of the, the basic things we need to challenge there is um, that certainly the modern world co-ops those desires and uses them for its own ends. Mm-hmm. But the, the basic desires and drives there. Um, are good, you know. Mm-hmm. So again, think of just I'm thinking really basic and practically here in terms of food. Our desire for salt and sweet and fat and savory or umami. I guess <laughs> that's a goofy word. Yeah, that's that's what comes up there. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, the things that taste good to us as humans in the in the natural environment, those do lead us to those things that are mm-hmm. that lend themselves to pre- self preservation. Mm-hmm. You know, in if we're out having to forage for ourselves today. In the wild, those tastes would be where we would find uh, nutrition. If mm-hmm. we were in the garden where God, you know, originally put the humans, like that's where we would find those things that would naturally be self-preserving for human beings. Right, and we wouldn't, and in pre-fallen humanity, we yeah. wouldn't have the nat- we wouldn't have the unnatural disposition to basically an overindulge for the sake right. of taste. Right. right. And that, that we'll get to that in a second yeah. about basically what is concupiscence, you know, what is it, how is it that our, these, these appetites have become disordered? But yeah. Yeah. So again, that, that's just, that's the first point there. It's just that, that there isn't a primordial order in us and that we want to keep in mind that we're, uh, the goal here is to reorder and to recover, um, that that original order, mm-hmm. you know, not not creating something new. We're putting things back in order that are, that are supposed to be there. Now there is disorder there mm-hmm. as a result of original sin, as a result of our personal sin, uh, the result of our sin <clears throat> over time. That's created, you know, patterns of vice, patterns mm-hmm. of of you know one a- of our appetites, you know, um, going hog wild, you know. Um, to use a very ap- apropos, I was about to say, <laughs> or going wild on hog, if you uh, might, uh, if <laughs> you might switch it around. Mm-hmm, yes. Bacon, bacon. <laughs> Basically, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. 
yeah, so we, we have the, we have that we have those dis, that disorder, uh, and that creates uh, again the situation where um, our power, our natural powers of self-preservation, uh, threaten destruction to the whole the whole body, the whole being, um, because they're not working in harmony. Mm-hmm. They're not submitted to reason. Again, mm-hmm. that, we're talking about virtue here. We're always talking about uh, again this cascade coming from prudence, from an attendance to reality, a reasoning about reality. Uh, uh, an apprehension of the way things really are and ought to be, and therefore a, a bringing of our of our being in line with that re- reality. And mm-hmm. so, there is an order again. Again, that's 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 a that's a key here. There is an order, um, but what we find ourselves is is our 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 being not quite operating according to that order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish I. First of all, I wish I had the book in front of me, but I also wish I had read it before this. I feel like C.S. Lewis's presentation of the primordial ordering of appetites in Paralandra yeah. is is really good at understanding this because I, I feel like there's a moment I, I can't you're gonna have to help me remember this mm. I feel like there's a moment when um, when the bad guy Weston Weston thank yes. you is trying to convince uh, the Eve figure mm. to basically like to kind of overindulge or to gather up stuff for the next day and it, it, it's the way that she answers back because she, you know she's supposed to be basically kind of this this figurement of pre-fallen existence, you know, mm-hmm. not yeah. necessarily humanity. She's something else, it yeah. seems so. Yeah. Um, but it, it it just, it doesn't even occur to her that yeah. she should have, she should take more than she needs. She doesn't even get yeah. it. He's she doesn't even get it. He's sitting there trying to convince her. He's just her. like, why would I want, why would I, why would I desire to eat more than I also need? Yeah. Like, you know, or why or would I? When it's not time. Or when, when it's, it's not, not time. Right when like, it's not the right way. Not, you know. You know, and, it, and it's funny because it's hard for us to even think of things mm-hmm. that way. It's like, well, how, why would I, how could I even, how can I even imagine a world in which I don't just sort of naturally want as much as I could possibly get until I'm glutted. Right. You know, but that's, but in trying to imagine it that way, we begin to sort of be able to parse apart what it means to have an appetite that is actually properly ordered in accord with reason is that yeah. the reason the reason and the appetite are just so perfectly ordered in themselves that when the mm-hmm. reason says that's how, that's as much as you need the appetite doesn't try to reach outside of it and say but i just want more of it because it yeah. tastes great or like i'm just craving it you know it just is like no that yeah. why would i why would i try to have more than than what is proper yeah you know? well it's such a good image and i yeah. highly recommend that book because it does yeah. it, it's this great fictitious maybe mo- <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> uh, ex, you know exploration of, of um, it may be historical fiction. Yeah, but. <laughs> there is, right? no. Um, and so again, as we were saying, like we, I guess you know, there's, there is there's a couple different ways to look inward at, at your drives and desires and orientations. You know, as um, as fundamentally flawed. You mm-hmm. know, like that's that's one wrong way, not seeing them as from God, even though they've they've been disordered by sin. But the other way, and I, this is another way that the modern world i think looks at them and i perhaps throughout history is sometimes is also to look in and like with sort of a rousseauian kind of of look inward uh that well if i feel it if i desire it it must be good Mm -hmm. you know so taking even my disordered desires as as being infallible Mm -hmm. if i desire this much food or if i desire this relationship or if i desire uh, whatever it is i desire must therefore be good and that's not Right, either mm-hmm. like we are disordered by sin, mm-hmm. um, so it's it, between those two. There's a there's a recognition that what God has created is good. It's been disordered by sin, uh, but we need to rec- we need to kind of get a vision for what it what it was. And again, I, that's what we're exploring here in the cardinal virtues is this vision of uh, human nature, 
mm-hmm. um, what it looks like when it's really operating in harmony, when it's really operating as it was intended to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go back to all the time. Yeah. You know, the glory of God is man fully alive. Yeah. The that ancient, you know, quote. Um, but the idea is that man fully alive, fully himself, fully flourishing, is the glory of God. Mm-hmm. You know, man becoming who he is supposed to be in its fullness is what gives glory to God, not become man's becoming something other. Right. When we look at Jesus Christ, we look at the perfect man. We look at the man who is most man, you know, who's most human, right. um, not another worldly creature. You know, in, in his humanity, he is the fullness of humanity. He yeah. is the perfect man. So, yeah. You know, so in that image that you used, again, drawing from Paralander there, yeah. it, it is interesting to think, yeah, because we, we, we're so used to, as, as humans, we're so used to um, just being pulled and pushed around by our desires with our reason sort of just kind of bringing up the rear. Just trying to, you know, ah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, it, yeah, it is sometimes hard to imagine it with regard to maybe a, a certain object of desire. Mm-hmm. Like how, how could I, why would I not indulge in that thing unless mm-hmm. I was like fiercely restraining myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to even imagine what it would be otherwise. But it's precisely because we're, we're so conditioned, we're so used to um, having the, the pushing and pulling of desire being like the, at the forefront of our mind and our heart, like that's what we're, that's our that's our our most vivid visceral experience. Mm-hmm. And, and again, part of the the part of the training in virtue, part of really pursuing virtue, um, is bring putting that back in its right place. So that's downstream a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, we make it more of a habit, a prudent habit of living life um, rationally and intentionally, and sure. turning to reality and setting those desires aside for a moment. Uh, to decide what decide what is right, what is reasonable, what is just first, and then to bring those gently bring those into line with that, so mm-hmm. that in the end, like you know, that the goal over time is for our whole being to be more aligned mm-hmm. toward the realization of the good, so yeah. that our our passions aren't at war with our reason, that they're mm-hmm. actually again, as he used that image, they're they're part of that stream that that are propelling us toward mm-hmm. what God wants for us. Yeah, in the end, so we're fighting against our disordered appetites. You know, and that they've become disordered and we're fighting against the disorder in them, not the appetites themselves, but the disorder in them. Mm-hmm. But we're also fighting against other things. Yeah. You know, we're having to fight against, I was thinking about this, how um, <laughs> when it comes to like portion control these days and stuff like that, it's amazing how much, you know, our world in kind of a consumerist society strives to kind of re- constantly rehabilitate our own kind of perception of of sort of what is kind of the amount proper amount to eat and how to relate to food and all this stuff it does that through marketing all these things and that's you know in the classic the classic uh threefold you know uh enumeration of uh, sources of a temptation the world the flesh and the devil when it comes to the world here we're not yeah we're not just fighting on kind of our internal disorder we're also fighting against the world sort of trying to present a false reality to us in order to make it more difficult for us to Mm-hmm. Um, to act in accord with with truth, right? So I think that that it's huge. I mean, and we're all familiar with this with marketing, with um, all the ways. I mean, I mentioned earlier, you know, how again primordial, primordially, our tastes for different kinds of food mm-hmm. they have a purpose. They have a purpose for making us healthy, you mm-hmm. know, keeping us alive. You know, but again, you walk into that supermarket, and especially you go into the center center of that supermarket. You know, mm-hmm. all the all the aisles. You know, away from the the fresh food, away from the the meat and the vegetables and the eggs. All that food in the middle 
is is reconstituted food. Mm. It co-ops those tastes that we have mm-hmm. for salt and fat and sweet and et cetera. But it's it's a uh, it's empty food. It's empty calories, you know. Mm. And so we do have the situation where the world, in an active way, in order to to make as much money as cheap, you know, for, as cheaply as possible to give us give us food, so we give them money, mm-hmm. and we have this co-opting of our tastes. Yeah. And so yeah, we are that we have to be extra uh, careful in the modern world to look for that original order, but then recognize the way that the modern world is even co- co-opting that mm-hmm. that order. Uh, yeah, temperance is such a big. An important virtue nowadays because of simply the abundance of yeah. of what is available to us. Sure. Um, and because of that, it takes more intentionality. It mm. takes a m- much more deliberate. It, it takes it. There's both. There's both an opportunity and kind of a danger. You mm-hmm. know, it's there's a danger because it's harder in a sense to yeah. to be temperate. But there's also the opportunity to make temperance. Uh, so kind of recognize the importance of it and then yeah. therefore to practice it in a kind of a, uh, a propitious and fruitful way right. you know, in our lives. So yeah. it's an opportunity for our, 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 our practice of virtue to become meritorious. Yeah. Know? So to start down the path of temperance with regards to food and drink, you know, we're looking, we want to look toward the, the reality of what it, of what we are and what food and drink are and what they're for. Um, and I think, you know, kind of thinking through, uh, layers of justice is, I think, maybe a way to go about that. You know, we, yeah. we food, we don't live to eat, we eat to live, yeah. right? And so, um, um, what's, justice what's, is like an onion. <laughs> it's got many layers. Layers. Yes. Yeah. You know, what's, with regards to food, what is justice? What is due to God? What is due to my neighbor? Mm-hmm. What is due to God in the care of myself? I think mm-hmm. there's a, a few different layers there. You know, I think... Uh, Overall, we want to make sure that in terms of food, that um, there's not an injustice in the sense of um, an intemperance regarding food such that we don't keep God as our, our highest uh, our, our highest goal, our hi- highest value. Again, that we don't live to eat, we eat to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and one way that we do that, I think we mentioned earlier again, is the just having the liturgical season, having mm-hmm. specific days and parts of the year where we say, no, this is the time to live a bit more simply, mm-hmm. to keep so that I'm, I keep it in the forefront of my mind during Lent, for instance, you know, that my life is not about food. Mm-hmm. My life is not about drink. You know, man does not sure. live by bread alone, mm-hmm. but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this is one of those instances where there there's a bit of arbitrariness in the sense of, in the sense that, like, the church, you know, in its wisdom has basically said, all right, these are we're going to fast on Fridays during Lent. There's, you know, there's a bit of an arbitrariness to that, but that's part of the role of the church on in also. In terms of what you fast from. In terms of what you fast yeah, from, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, and, and Friday, why Friday? Because it's the day in Christ died. You know, yeah. I mean, there, there, there's... Special day of penance. It's a special yeah. day of penance, but there could be arguments made for other days too, you mm-hmm. know, in the sense of that. In the end, there is a bit of arbitrariness. It's not kind of inherent to that day. Mm-hmm. It's because of something that happened on that day. Mm-hmm. In presenting or in kind of imposing kind of these these opportunities, you know, mm-hmm. um, what what it's doing is giving us a model by which we do exactly what you're talking about, making sure that food doesn't become mm-hmm. the god in our life. In the sense, by giving us sort of these arbitrary opportunities to say, this is what's asked of me, mm-hmm. even though it's uh, this is what's asked of me by the church, by the church, um, you know, through the authority of God, uh, by by the authority of God. Um, this is what's asked of me is to fast on these days and to feast on these other days. Yeah. It just basically gives us an, a kind of a very blatant mm-hmm. opportunity to say, well, 
God through the church is asking me to do this. Yeah. Um, and, and to kind of moderate my eating in this particular way. Yeah. And just by being obedient to that, I'm giving, I'm basically practicing temperance yeah. by practicing that ordering. Yeah. And there's, there's more sort of objective ways that we do that all the time. But in terms of the liturgy of the church, that's kind of how that, that's how our practice, our law of prayer, you yeah. know, Lex Orandi, um, helps and aids in our law of belief. Right. You know, we would say that, you know, God is more important to us than food. We would mm-hmm. say that, you know, that our God is not our bellies, right. you know, but the question is, do we put our money where our mouth is or our mouth where, our, mouth money where is. our money is? Yeah, it might be the other way around this time. And <laughs> we don't live to eat, we eat to live. And I think, you know, by on, on a most basic level of justice in regards to God, we we practice that and we find out whether that is true mm. by whether or not in the most general and broad sense we have days of fasting yeah. and days of feasting. And again, I, I don't think fasting always necessarily needs to be a complete fast from food mm-hmm. or a Lenten fast, but it might just be that, hey, on weekdays, we eat a little bit more simply. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes, like the kids will come to the table sometimes and they'll be like, what's dessert this meal? Because the presumption is, well, there's a dessert every meal. That's just part of meal. And my wife will explain to them for the thousand and one time, you know, yeah. that not every meal has a dessert. Like, mm-hmm. some, you know, dessert, we reserve that for a special occasion. Because it has a purpose, mm-hmm. um, and this is actually just a, a normal meal, a regular day. But then, when it's the Sabbath, or when it's somebody's birthday, or we're celebrating one of our favorite, one of our our, our patron saints, or something like that, or Easter, or the church Christmas. does give us plenty of opportunities. Plenty to party. of opportunities for, <laughs> for, for partying. But but. It, but it gives us. It also says that there are reasons for it. You right. know, there it gives us legitimate reasons, not just kind of arbitrariness. Yeah. In the sense, not just not just basically whatever we kind of feel like doing. That's right. the point. You know? And that may be again. That level of justice, it may be a very small step, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, I, I, I eat too. We talked about cheesecake a couple episodes ago, episode two ago. Probably you know, too I much. I still may be eating <laughs> too much cheesecake, but at least I'm, my, my first step is to say, well, if I'm going to eat cheesecake, it's going to be on Sunday when I'm celebrating the Lord. And right. then we proceed, I think, down, down the stream a little bit um, mm-hmm. to other matters of justice, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, the next level of justice you know, is just thinking of terms of food. What's justice do to the people around me? I mean, mm-hmm. certainly if there are six pieces of cheesecake and there are six people, yeah, I probably should only want a piece of cheesecake. That would be until you've asked them. That would be the just and fair thing to do, <laughs> you know. I suppose. But again, uh, that's that's just because I ate your cheesecake. Yet? <laughs> I haven't gotten is over it, that, man. This is just an I'm intervention. Still, I'm still kind of upset about that. <laughs> that's what this has all been about. But uh, you know, another layer of justice here is saying, with regards to this food, this food is for persons. Persons aren't for food. Yeah. You know, this party isn't for the the food is here uh, for the community, for the 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 being togetherness, for the friendship, for the celebration, and so um, to ensure that justice is realized, I need to I need to look to the other people involved. You know, am I am I eating in such a way that is in accord with reason, in accord with justice, to these other people? Mm-hmm. In a, the cheesecake examples sort of a goofy one, you know, but I think more broadly speaking, I think on a more serious note, this touches a bit um, more on our, the the gospel call to an evangelical poverty that, mm. that really all Christians are called to. Sometimes we, you know, a call to poverty, we think of, we think of religious, we think of monks and nuns, you know, maybe we think mm-hmm. of, 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 of and priests. I don't make a promise. But in, <laughs> but in a general sense. Yeah, you're right. All Christians are called to that, to deny yourself, take mm-hmm. up your cross and follow me. Sure. We're supposed to live in a, such a way where, again, uh, in the way, in the structure of our life, in our values, in the way that we uh, relate to our food and our drink and our money and our time, 
all those things are subordinated to Christ, mm. to reason, not just you know in in the in the danger zones, but you know, all aspects of our life at all times are to be ordered toward Christ. And so, um, the way that we relate to food, um, making sure that we're again the food is is for what its purpose is, which is for self preservation. And I, you know, I think you can extend that to, there's a community element to it, you know, share, mm-hmm. sharing, breaking bread. Um, but that if my, if I'm relating to food in such a way that it's, it's, it's merely about, uh, indulging myself mm-hmm. and not about keeping myself healthy and, and sharing with other people, sure. then, then there's an issue there. Well, and even the enjoyment of it, you know, it's not a bad thing. No. Enjoyment of food is a good thing. It just has its proper place in the ordering. And that's, fairly low in some ways and kind of the ordering of things mm-hmm. and you have to look at where does the that where does the embrace of that enjoyment uh to in exclusion to other things right. begin to impinge upon and destroy higher goods yeah right you know that's what it comes that's what happens when we indulge is we kind of sort of abandon we kind of put reason off to the side and we're like all right my sole focus sort of is just that this tastes really good and maybe it's distracting me from stress and mm-hmm. these different things and but basically, like, you know, and, and then by indulging it, all right, things start to build up that it's hindering. Yeah. You know, it oftentimes is kind of removing us in some ways from sort of the community around us. It's hindering our ability because we're focusing so much, like, on the food that we're sort of setting other people aside in, right. in a way that's unjust. We're doing injuries oftentimes to our body in a mm-hmm. very disproportionate, disproportionate degree to um, the enjoyment that we're seeking. You know, I mean, yeah. like, if I eat it like one piece of cheesecake, it's not necessarily good for me. But it's also not like really hurting my body compared to like if I'm eating like six pieces, that that's a definite step in kind of the sake of unhealthiness. Mm-hmm. All these different things, you know, that um, it's not not that the the enjoyment of the food is bad. But if that if you hy- focus in on that and you put that as a, a higher basically that takes a priority over higher other things things that should take priority over it mm-hmm. um, like the concern for the needs of others and things like that mm-hmm. then it begins to destroy those goods yeah you know and that's the important thing it's not that enjoyment of food is bad it's just it needs to be put and kept in its sort of proper ordering so that right. other things are kept as more important and therefore have a greater priority well, let's talk about that third order of justice there okay. um, and we kind of already talked about this in when we were describing temperance in general um, in last episode or episode beforehand you know that temperance, in some sense, is a temperance as self-preservation, taking care of yourself, okay. uh, selflessly. So not not egoistically, not self-referentially, but taking care of yourself in reference to God. So when you say a third order of justice, you're talking about first order was God, second order was other people, or yeah, sort okay, of. I wasn't really sure. It doesn't quite work out here. It just, okay, just all right, all right. another another angle on justice here, I suppose. Okay, sure. Because because this really is justice regarding to God. That that's sort of the point it's here. True. That taking care of yourself, even though it is yourself, you're you're uh, you're trying to do it in a selfless way. That God has given you charge over yourself mm-hmm. and it is injustice to God that you're a good steward of yourself. It, it is kind of a weird thing because it's like that old thing, the joy, that old joy acronym, Jesus, others, yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, even that yourself there, again, properly understood, that is you being obedient to God. You're not mm-hmm. taking yourself care of yourself in an egoistic, self-referential sort of way, but taking care of yourself as someone who God has given you charge over. You know? yeah. like, so anyway, all that is to say that at that level, that, you know, yes, taking care of your health, taking care of your of your your bodily health, you know, exercise, rest, and all that kind of stuff, all the things that would go into you being uh, healthy and, and well, 
uh, on a human level. That's, in some sense, uh, an, an act of justice with regards to God. Now, health, I think, you know, health and well-being, um, there's some nuance there. It's not mm-hmm. strictly, well, okay, I'm, I'm going to eat broccoli and chicken all the time, you know, because there's just this one metric of health, like weight. Some people really focus yeah. on their weight. That's not the only metric of health. Yeah, because that, I tell you, eating broccoli and chicken, I don't think would do very good for, like, my I mean, emotional health. There's, there's <laughs> other stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not sure. Yeah, Yeah. well, even even on a, on a healthy level, there's all kinds of other things that your body needs strictly on the nutritional level. But right. So there is the nutritional level of taking care of your health, and obviously we're not going to get into that in that show because that's a complex topic. You're right, right. That's right. an act of prudence, and to, to, mm-hmm. to try to study that, to make some sense of that, to come up with a, you know, a, a reasonable approach to that. Yeah, understanding that you may not ever fully understand <laughs> it, but making a prudent decision based upon what you the information you have yeah, and the information you're able to gather. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's an element of it is nutrition and exercise and, you know, rest and all that kind of stuff. But, but keeping in, in, in mind, too, that the, the whole of the person, again, you're not just you're, you're not just your body. Mm-hmm. You're not just. So there's that aspect of health. But there's also, um, you know, the, the well-being of being in community with others. You know, I think some people when they're they're so concerned about their physical health. And again, that is a it is a value. It is something that they they ought to be concerned with in some respect you know but that needs to be integrated in, into the overall purpose of your life that mm-hmm. which is communion with god and others too and yeah. so that's an aspect of your health and well-being too is your are you in are you in communion uh do you i mean again it's good to have a piece of cheesecake at someone's birthday party and celebrate them and to have and to have that that bit of enjoyment um in that context yeah i remember um, being at franciscan university and um, so it was kind of neat because in the gym they always had these they have these bunch of these quotes from John Paul II up on the wall yeah. that that speak basically about this you know of, of building up one's body for the glory of God and right. you know and, and doing things like that you know making sacrifices of your weightlifting and things like that mm-hmm. and and doing you know presenting in such a way that some people the world would maybe call it kind of I don't know co-opting you know you can see it as a sort of a trying to sort of co-opt like this desire for for self, uh, like aggrandizement for the sake of like the glory of God. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it's when we, when we, uh, we are co-opting something that should be for the glory of God for self aggrandizement mm-hmm. when we don't do that. I mean, mm-hmm. the point of like going to the gym just so I can become super buff, so I can look sexy. That's a co-opting of a very natural and good, good, right. you know, which is that keeping my body healthy mm-hmm. and as a act of selfless self-preservation for the sake of God, of right. being able to say like, by keeping myself healthy is a good thing, not only because I'm a steward of my body, but also because it will aid in my um, my ability to serve in the world, to serve other people, to serve God, and to serve my family. You know, right? So. There's a duty on that level to 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 try to discern that, mm-hmm. study and discern, figure out like what you know with regards to food and drink, like what is you know the right kind and amount, mm-hmm. you know, and you know on the on a level of nutrition and sort of a in in all these virtues, there's there is what what's pointed to is the, the need to have a certain sort of rule of life as a Christian person. That as you learn, that you you try to instantiate what you've learned into a basic kind of structure of your life. You know, a structure of your day, a structure of your week and your year. You know, what are what do I do on on the weekdays and what do I do on the weekend? How do I basically eat in order to um, you know preserve myself mm-hmm. uh, reasonably? Um, and so, you know, forming that, that, uh, that data into patterns and, and habits 
you know, of living, um, so that we're practicing the virtue, we're practicing being virtuous in this regard. Um, it's important there. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's a whole lot more we could say here. I feel almost feel like we need to take a break. Okay. We've taken a sip. Take a break. We've taken a nice long draft, but mm-hmm. maybe, uh, maybe round this out a bit more next time, you know. Intemperance. We need to wait before our next pint. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of a little break. Yeah. So yeah, we'll be back. We'll talk more about food and drink. We wanted we wanted to dig more. Uh, we're always we're always trying to, to move more toward the practical end of this thing. You know, hmm. um, it's difficult actually. As we get to more of these practical topics, it's going to be actually more difficult because uh, to know how deep to go. Because uh, in the end, there's there's so much specificity mm-hmm. and individuality in this stuff. Sure. Individual circumstances. Sure. You know, as a last little bit, maybe maybe yeah. the important thing to recognize here is that our purpose in this is to sort of is is to start from the top. Is to start with the, the the cardinal virtues, right? The cardinal temperance, like that cardinal yeah. meaning to stop from what the the top from which all other virtues kind of flow. We're used to talking about some of the subordinate virtues like chastity and things like that. Um, we're used to talking about them in isolation, but not necessarily fitting them into this overall structure. Mm-hmm. And our purpose is looking through temperance and through this kind of revamped and sort of rediscovered understanding of it as a cardinal way of looking at virtue, of mm-hmm. looking at this this overall umbrella of temperance, this overall umbrella of ordering oneself. Mm-hmm. And by that, then kind of allowing you, um, all of you, to, to go out and sort of to look at these other virtues again that you may have looked at already before in a new light by looking at them through that mm-hmm. lens. We're not necessarily going to be able to dig into every single virtue that's flowed from that in yeah. the extent that it's that it is by other professionals out there who know way more than we do but hopefully just by looking at it through this lens again it helps to form a more integrated whole um, as a in, in terms of looking at an entire holistic christian life organized under these four cardinal virtues but yeah does that sound right that sounds good <laughs> I mean, good yeah, stuff but so in sense, so <laughs> take what take what you hear here, if you can kind of formulate it in your head, and then go and revisit, you know, those other virtues that other people basically, you know, are able to talk a lot more uh, um, eloquently than mm-hmm. we can about. Cool. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed uh, Father Peter's and my discussion of temperance this week. You know, I, I, it was a good discussion, a little uh, step inward of applying this uh, this virtue of temperance to this area. And you know, at the end there, at the end of our conversation, Father Peter reflected um, briefly on how the virtues as a whole, they give us this framework where we can go back and look at parts of our life, we can look par- at parts of our faith, uh, information that's coming to us that, that we're evaluating our discernment and really have a better structure a better framework for evaluating that information and and seeing how to put it into action into practice in our life in Christ you know with the, the notion of prudence and justice and courage and temperance in mind with those ideas fleshed out in our minds we have a better map for how uh, how we work as human beings and how if we are to submit our lives to Christ, insofar as that process involves our choice, involves our action, how do we go about that? And, and the virtues give us a way to evaluate um, our lives and the information that we, we receive through the gospel, through the scripture, through the church, and to translate that into action and steps. And so, you know, with regard to temperance, 
We discussed a little bit, uh, again, with, with regards to food, on how what that might look like, that discernment process, um, the different aspects of temperance with regards to food in relation to justice. You know, how temperance, in some sense, is uh, an act of justice in relation to God. God has given us charge over ourselves, our bodies, and it's an act of justice to God to say, yes, Lord, I will be a good steward of this body that you've given me so that I can, I can do what you're calling me to do. So we dug a little bit into some of the practicalities of that. But, you know, after our discussion, um, we, uh, we, sort of, we sort of realized that um, going forward, I think we're going to actually take a little break from uh, the virtue discussion proper. We've been working very methodically through these. And we actually decided afterwards um, that next week we're going to sort of wrap up this current study of the virtues and turn our eyes ahead. We, we, we have a whole lot more uh, topics uh, and aspects of life in Christ that we want to cover using the virtues as kind of our framework, our way to evaluate and put things into practice. And so um, we're going to pivot next week. Uh, I'm going I'm to do a little wrap up, but we're going to pivot to kind of a, a season two, a next step, a next sort of study in this show, Deep in Christ. So if you've been enjoying this conversation with Father Peter and I about virtues and about life in Christ in general, we hope you'll stick around. We're going we're gonna to get into a lot of neat stuff going forward. Um, as always, if you're enjoying this show, please like and subscribe uh, and check out the Coming Home Network at www.chnetwork.org. Um, if you are someone who has come to embrace the Catholic Church, or if you're someone who is maybe thinking about becoming Catholic or just asking questions about the Church, know that the Coming Home Network is your network. We're a network of people who, who have come, as we believe, home to the Catholic Church, and we simply want to share our stories and share that journey with others who are uh, having a similar thought process or on a similar journey. And so it's a network of support for you. Uh, via the website, you'll find all kinds of uh, helpful videos and articles and testimonies and things like that. But also, if you go to community.chnetwork.org, you can participate in this show and in the, the community of fellow members of the network, uh, interact with the, the hosts of, of our shows, and again, share this journey together in a, a digital community experience. So check that out at community.chnetwork.org. As always, thank you for joining us for this episode of Deep in Christ. I'll talk to you next week.